Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest continues with part two of his teaching on the gift of God in you. All right, let's make our confession. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister, and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Hallelujah. So we've been talking about the gift of God in you, and this is part two. And to be honest with you, I was ready to leave this topic behind, but the Lord arrested me and said, I want you to spend some more time on the gift of God in you. By way of introduction, we talked about this last week. You have a gift that was planned for you before the universe was created, before time itself existed. That gift was reserved for you by God eons before your birth and was planted in your heart the moment you were conceived. And when you said yes to Jesus, that gift was activated in your heart and you became aware that you had a purpose in life. Even unbelievers have that same awareness. I just feel like God put me here for a reason. Well, duh, that's because he did. Amen. But when you say yes to Jesus, that sense of purpose becomes amplified in your life. And so it is incumbent upon you to find the gift of God that God has planted in your heart and learn to grow and develop in that gift so that you become the person God called you to be. You do the things that God called you to do and you reach the people God called you to reach. Amen. If you can do that, you'll stand before Jesus at the judgment seat of Christ, and he'll say, you did everything I asked you to do. Not perfectly, because nobody does, except for me. That's what Jesus will say. (laughs) But you, you ran your race to completion. I'm so proud of you. Come on in here, receive your reward. Amen. Glory to God. Anybody else in this place want to hear Jesus say that to them besides me? What I don't want to hear is, I had a gift for you. You never unwrapped your gift. You never used it. You got born again. You even got filled with the Spirit. But you never took one step down the destiny that I planned for you. Now, you're not going to miss heaven, but you're going to miss a great deal of reward. Amen. I don't want to be in that crowd. I want to be right smack dab in the middle of what God's called me to do, doing the things He's called me to do, and reaching the people He's called me to reach. Amen. So we talked about this last week. Everyone has at least one gift that can benefit the body of Christ and also the world around you. Ephesians 4, 8 in the New King James Version says, Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. 1 Peter 4, 10 makes it even more clear that everyone has a gift. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Amen? So you're responsible to find your gift and to grow and develop in that gift so you minister to your fellow believers and to the world around you. 1 Corinthians 7, 7, New King James Version. For I wish that all men were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Everybody has his own gift from God and has to develop it accordingly. Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. So what if I don't know what my gift is? Now, as a Bible school director for 10 years, I heard that question constantly. 
What if I don't know what my gift is? Or I feel like I'm infantile in the growth and development of my gift. I know what it is, but I feel like I'm really not very far down the road in developing and growing that gift. Well, number one, first of all, as I alluded to already, none of us is going to find and develop our gift and fulfill our calling without flaws and errors. So just relax. God knows every mistake you will ever make, and He's already factored it in to your destiny. Amen? So don't worry about it. Amen? Number two, spend some time praying and seeking the Lord, especially praying in the Holy Ghost, and let God bring that gift to the forefront of your heart and mind. Let Him talk to you about your gift and and what steps you can take in the natural and in the Spirit to develop that gift. Number three, while you're waiting to find your gift, now this is what we call in the military a foot stomper. It means, I really want you to pay attention to this. While you're waiting to find your gift, and as you begin to develop in that gift when you find it, put your hand to something in the local church body that will help that church grow and expand the way that God intended. Amen. That's good. Even if it's not exactly in your gift, if you see a need, make the determination that you're going to meet that need. Okay? And as you put your hand to something, God will eventually steer you to a place where you use your gift. Amen? There's a couple of sayings that are quite apropos here. Uh, One preacher says, you can't steer a parked car. Another preacher I know says, you can't steer a bike until it's rolling. The point is the same. You got to get moving in a direction before you receive specific direction. And I recommend the direction to move in is the direction of serving and ministering. Now, Trisha and I, we've been in a variety of ministry roles over the last 30 years. Every church we've gone to, you know, I traveled around with the military and then uh, we were in Louisiana for a long time. But every church that we were in, I had gifts I knew about, she had gifts she knew about, but we never went into a church announcing we are gifted in this area. We just went to the church and just said, where can we help? Every church, without exception, that we went to, where can we help? Is there a need that's not being met? So consequently, Trish and I have done just about everything you can imagine in ministry. We've run sound. We've led praise and worship. We taught children. We worked in the nursery. We were junior high youth pastors. We were senior high youth pastors. We were prison ministries. We were Bible school directors. And I want you to know that in every one of those situations, every one of those churches, even though we might have started in an area where we weren't particularly gifted, we always ended up eventually functioning in our gift. Because when you make the determination you're going to have a servant's heart, the pastors see the servant's heart and they can also detect the gifts of God in you. And if you have a servant's heart and you're willing to put your hand to anything just to help out, you will be directed and guided to the exact place where your gift will function to its fullest. For example, I might as well make the pitch right now. We need some help in set up and tear down. All you have to do is be here at 8 o'clock on Sunday morning. That's a need we have right now. We also need some help in children's church. We need some help. 
Now, my wife said, when you make that pitch, make sure you don't put the people under condemnation. So you're not condemned, you're blessed. Amen. I'm just putting out the word. Let me shift gears here. When we talk about finding the gift of God in you, I want to make this clear again. I talked about this last week. We're not talking about the nine gifts of the Spirit found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 10. That is public tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, gifts of healing, working of miracles, and special gift of faith. We believe in those gifts in this church, but those gifts are not the gifts I'm talking about. They're involved in the functioning of the gifts that I'm about to talk about, but they are not the gift per se. Because all believers can be used in these gifts from time to time as the Spirit of God wills. Amen? The kind of gifts I'm talking about can be categorized in the following manner. Five-fold ministry gifts, something I call body gifts, and then miscellaneous gifts. So we're going to go through... And this might be mundane and basic and maybe a little boring to some of you, but I got to get it out to help this church and to help other churches as well. Amen. Hallelujah. We got people in Tokyo that listen to the podcast. Maybe they need to hear this. Amen. First of all, we've got the five-fold ministry gifts as they have become known. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. This is talking about Jesus. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the purpose of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. As we say in our confession every Sunday, every member should consider themselves to be a minister of God. Amen. So let's go through real quickly. We're going to define the fivefold ministry gifts and then we'll move on to the body gifts. First, there's the apostle. And I'm going to read a good bit here because I can't really say it any better than I wrote it, okay? So pardon me if I read from time to time. An apostle is not just a sent one. We are all sent ones. In John 17, 18, Jesus prayed, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And he was talking about his disciples, but he also added the caveat, I'm praying for these disciples and everyone that will come to me through their word. That's you and me. He said he sent us into the world. An apostle is a delegated representative of Jesus Christ himself. This office is the highest of all the fivefold ministry gifts. An apostle is a church planter and a church overseer. He may be the pastor of one church, but may oversee many churches in his God-ordained leadership role. Amen. Signs and wonders accompany the ministry of the apostle. You can find that in Acts chapter 5 verse 12. And 2 Corinthians 12, 12. The prophet is someone that's gifted in prophetic ministry and has an anointing to see the future and to prepare the church for what lies ahead. Amen. Prophets not only speak to individuals and to the body of Christ, but they prophesy sometimes to entire nations, sometimes to the whole world. Amen. Evangelist. The evangelist has a ministry which draws people to Christ. He's got a God-given anointing to bring the lost into the kingdom, i.e., to get people saved. Amen. I got a friend of mine, pastor friend of mine, former pastor. Now he's an evangelist. He is just a natural-born evangelist. He can go through the drive-thru at some fast-food restaurant and get people saved and hand them tracts. And he's just amazing, you know. He can trip and fall and people will get saved. He's just, he just has that gift. Everywhere he goes, he's talking about Jesus. He's ready to lead people to Jesus. Amen. Signs and wonders also accompany the ministry of the evangelists. 
Acts chapter 8, verse 6 says, Philip, after he got promoted from deacon to evangelist, he preached in Samaria, and it says that miracles were confirming the word that he preached. Amen. Hallelujah. Then we've got the pastor. The pastor is the shepherd of a local assembly, the head of a local church. As such, he has the heart of a shepherd. Remember Jesus in Matthew 9, 36, he said he looked at the the multitudes and he was moved with compassion because they had no shepherd, no one to lead them into the things of God, no one to lead them into the truth of God. Amen. Then the teacher, a teacher has a God given anointing to teach the word of God. He or she is typically able to take the scriptures and break them down and make them more understandable to the people of God. Revelation flows freely for the teacher as he pours over the word and prays in the Holy Spirit. Glory. All right. So let's talk about defining body gifts, body gifts. Some people call them ministry gifts. I prefer to call them body gifts because they're employed primarily at the local church body level. Romans chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches, in teaching. He who exhorts, in exhortation. He who gives, with liberality. He who leads, with diligence. He who shows mercy, with cheerfulness. Notice that Paul says, no matter what gift you have, you need to operate in that gift by faith. Amen? So notice that teaching is also listed as a body gift, and it's mentioned as a fivefold gift. The difference is the context. The fivefold teacher, he teaches to the body of Christ at large. A body gift teacher, he teaches to the local church. Amen? Prophecy like teaching is also mentioned among the fivefold ministry gifts, and those who operate in the prophetic gifts do so in this context at the local church level. Amen. Let me show you a scriptural example of prophets and teachers being utilized in a local church setting. Acts chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas. Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Barnabas and Saul are clearly identified among this group of leaders inside the church at Antioch. Amen? But... There came a time when God called them to take their gift to a higher level, to a five-fold level. Barnabas, Saul, it's time for your gift to be moved to a higher level to speak to the body of Christ at large. You've operated in your gift at the local church level. Now I want you to take that gift to a higher level to reach more people for the glory of God. Now, if you move in the prophetic in the local church and you teach in the local church, there's no guarantee that God will ever call you to the fivefold ministry. But He might. The point is, be faithful to operate in the gift that God has given unto you. And if you are, if there's promotion, it'll come much more quickly. Amen? Remember, as I said already, Philip was a deacon who eventually got promoted to evangelist and did great and mighty things and pretty much was responsible for the entire area of Samaria getting born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, then it talks about ministering. 
This word ministering comes from the same root word in the Greek from which we get the term deacon. Praise God. And as I've already alluded to, deacons are leaders in the church who've been designated to oversee service-oriented functions in the local church body. All right, number four, encouragement or exhortation. People who have the gift of encouragement have the ability to motivate God's people to apply biblical principles, especially when they're discouraged or wavering in their faith. It is the ability to bring out the best in others and challenge them to develop their potential to the fullest. Amen. You might be an encourager. And then leadership. Leaders are mentioned. Leaders are necessary because as a church grows and expands, it is not possible for the pastor to lead every person one-on-one. Sooner or later, the pastor has to delegate leadership to other people who can exercise pastoral care and oversight over smaller groups. Amen. So there is a gift of leadership at the local body level. Amen. Hallelujah. Then mercy. People who have the mercy gift have an ability to detect and empathize with those who are suffering in the church family. Amen. It's the ability to provide compassionate and cheerful support to those experiencing distress, crisis, or pain. You find these individuals many times exhibiting the compassion of God to the sick, the elderly, the hurting, and the lonely. And oftentimes you'll find them faithfully ministering in nursing homes hospitals, and prisons. Amen. Then giving is mentioned. This is not an ordinary giving that's being mentioned here. If it was just regular giving, it wouldn't be a gift. There are people that have a gift to give. Amen. And they have a gift usually to make money. Usually they're businessmen. Now I know some people like this and they have just a spiritual ability, a gift from God to make money. And the purpose of making that money is so they can give liberally to the church, especially the local church. Amen. Amen. I remember there was a church in Houston when Warren Moon started going there and he signed the contract with Houston as their quarterback. And I remember reading about when Warren started tithing to that church. It took that church to another level. Amen. You know, if you might remember Warren Moon got a multi-million dollar contract. I'm not saying, Lord, send me an NFL football player, but I'm saying, Lord, if you send me somebody like that, it's okay with me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We got a church to build, and it takes money to build it. Amen? All right, so let's wrap it up with definition of miscellaneous gifts. I am sensing definition overload, so I need to go through these real quickly. 1 Corinthians 12, 28, New King James Version. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Now, for the sake of time, I had a little explanation of this verse in last Sunday's lesson. So go listen to the podcast if you want to hear that. I just want to zero in today, though, on helps and administrations. They're mentioned here in the context of fivefold ministry gifts and also gifts of the Spirit. Helps and administrations happen to be very helpful when building and establishing the local church. Amen. Here are some examples of ministry of helps. Hospitality. People who are gifted in hospitality have the ability to make others, especially strangers, feel warm and welcome, accepted and comfortable in the church family. It's the ability to coordinate factors that promote fellowship and belonging in the local church family. Number two, music. 
Musical gifts help to lead the people of God into worship. And listen, this is so important. We believe this so strongly here at Faith Life Fellowship. And usher people into the presence of God. The manifest presence of God should be the constant goal of those who lead the local body in worship. And I know Dan and Ashley, that is their constant goal. That's why we asked them to come here to North Carolina from Louisiana to be with us. Praise God. Hallelujah. Creativity. Now, creativity, you may not find it mentioned per se in the Bible. You got to use your imagination when you're talking about these miscellaneous gifts. Everybody has a gift. And if everybody has a gift, think about that. Potentially, if the whole world got born again, there would be 7 billion born again people on the planet. And every single one of those 7 billion people would have a unique gift. So you got to use your imagination. You know that it was not possible to put every single gift in writing in the scriptures. That's why you have the ministry of helps. Amen. It may be odd and it may be unique and it may be a gift that you don't know anybody else that has that gift. And you're trying to categorize it and you're just straining your brain. You might as well just say, look, I have a gift to do this. And it's not anywhere that I can find in any category that I can find. So it must be ministry of helps. And then there's administration gifts. People gifted in this way help the pastor and his staff to organize and execute various church functions. Amen. Answering phones, keeping church books, managing church bank accounts, creating and tracking event calendars, organizing and executing special events, and a host of other applications. Let me make one final note on miscellaneous gifts. Helps is sometimes used, as I already said, as a catch-all phrase to describe unique gifts that are difficult to categorize. But it doesn't mean that they're unimportant. It doesn't mean that the ministry of health is unimportant. Let me show you why I know this from the scriptures. The Greek word translated in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8, as helps, actually refers to ropes and chains that ancient ships used to maintain the integrity of the ship during times of rough seas. In fact, the same word was used In Acts chapter 27, when Paul and his company were on the ship and it was about to be lost. And they threw everything overboard they could to lighten the load. And they did this procedure called frapping where they wrapped chains and ropes around the hull of the ship to keep the planks of the hull from separating in the rough seas or if they ran aground. It was an attempt to maintain the structural integrity of that ship. So I say the ministry of helps helps maintain the structural integrity of the local church. Therefore, it is vital, no matter how odd or unique you think your gift is, it is vital. You are helping us frap this church with those chains and ropes and keep this ship rolling in the right direction. Glory to God. Did you like that? And I taught on all those definitions because the Lord told me to. I didn't want to do it. I said, Lord, I'm going to lose half of them in 15 minutes. But I see every eye is still open. Nobody has slumped over in their seats. And so now we're going to get to some really cool stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Second Timothy 1, 6 and 7, New King James Version. This is Paul speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Some translations say fan the flame of the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
Last week we talked about how oftentimes we take that verse there, verse 7, out of its context. We say God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. But specifically, that verse was meant to apply to operating with boldness and faith in your gift. Paul was saying, don't be afraid to operate boldly in the gift of God in you. Amen. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's talk about the top two reasons that God wants you to grow and develop in your gift. Number one, lives are at stake. You need to grow and develop in your gifts so that you become the person God called you to be. You do the things that God called you to do, and you reach the people God called you to reach. There are some people that perhaps only you can reach. You have a circle of influence, your world. You need to take your gift, operate in your gift to that world to reach those people. Number two, when we return with Jesus to rule and reign with him on the earth during the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, we will be rewarded according to how well we walk in the gifts and callings that were given unto us in this life. Well, I got real quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So real quickly, Luke chapter 19, verse 11 through 23, and we'll wrap it up. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Occupy in the military sense means to take ground from the enemy and hold it. Never give it back. But the Greek word here translated occupy actually is a financial term. It means take the money you have, invest it, and produce more money. Make money. Produce fruit. So I take the English definition of occupy, and I marry it with the Greek that is translated occupy. And I say, take ground from the enemy and hold it. Never give it back. And get busy using your gifts and talents to produce fruit for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man, Thou takest up that thou layest not down, and reapest that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore, then gavest not thou my money into the bank, 
that at my coming, I might have required mine own with usury. All right, let me break it down. Ten servants, everybody gets one pound. Well, the New King James says a mina, which is a Greek uh, word, which means uh, essentially a mina was three months wages. So every one of them got three months wages, and they were to go to the financial markets and make money. All right? So one guy says, hey, listen, I took what you gave me, and uh, I got ten more. That's quite a return on your investment. The other guy got five. And the other guy just said, I knew that you were expecting results, and I was afraid that I would lose it, so I just kind of kept it in a napkin, okay? He did not utilize his gifts. Now, this is a parable that's very similar to what you would find in Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the talents, which basically says that you will be judged by the Lord when he returns based on how well you use the gifts and callings and talents that God has given unto you, and you will be rewarded accordingly. Now, the reason I picked Luke chapter 19 in Instead of Matthew 25 is Luke is a little bit more specific in the rewards. Jesus says in Matthew 25, you've been uh, faithful over little, be thou ruler over much. Okay. But here in Luke's example, it's a little more specific. He says, be thou over 10 cities, be thou over five cities. What that's saying is that when you come back with Jesus in the millennial reign of Christ, you're going to be rewarded with a realm of authority based on how well you use the gifts and talents that he gave you in this life. That's why it's important to find and develop your gift, because you will be rewarded accordingly as to how you use those gifts and talents. And I, for one, don't want to be the chief dog catcher of New Hanover County. I want something a little bit better than that. Amen. I want a dream assignment. If you want your dream assignment in the millennial reign, then get busy using your gift and fulfill your calling in this life. Find your gift, stir it up constantly, and trust the Lord to mold you and make you into the person God called you to be. If you'll do that, you'll do the things that God called you to do, and you'll reach the people that God called you to reach. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message on The Gift of God in You. If you'd like to hear more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. And He's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered death. We believe in the resurrection. And he's coming back again. We believe.